Welcome to PBC Talks. If you would like to find out more information, please visit pbc.org.uk. Good morning, how are you? It's good to see so many people. Who loves being in God's family? Amazing, so do I, so do I. I love coming on a Sunday, I love worshipping God in this place. And I love the fact that when, when we leave this place at the end of this service, it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. Worship is, worship is something that is continual, that can be continual throughout our whole lives. And I think the reason for that is, is because actually it's the meaning of life. That's why, we, that's why we were created. Isn't it exciting that that age-old question, the sort of, um, what's the meaning of life? I think we've got it. Christians, we, we know it. We know the meaning of life. It, I think, so, Monty Python asked it, what's the meaning of life? <laughs> to be honest, I haven't actually seen that movie. Um, but um, I know that it exists. Um, but... I, th- I think we have to start by saying, do we believe that as, as people, as existence, we are here by chance? Like we, um, we were just random, whether life, time, space, whether it just randomly occurred, or whether we believe we have a creator, whether we believe that there was an inventor behind all of this. And I think if we believe that, if we believe, as Christians do, that there was a creator that this, 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 the detail in existence can't have just been an accident. When we believe there must have been some sort of intelligent designer behind it, we can start to think, okay, then I believe life does have a purpose. I believe life does have a meaning. And I think that purpose is, and it's not just me, I think Christians have thought this for centuries, the purpose is, is to be in relationship with God, is to worship God. Worship's up on the screen. Worship's my job. Worship's my life. So that's what I'm going to talk about this morning. I'm going to talk about the meaning of life. I'm going to talk about worship. I'm going to hopefully give some tips, some advice. Um, Maybe I can talk to you and you can give me some tips and advice as well of of ways that you worship, ways that you connect with your your father. Um, But that's what this morning is going to be about. So... Glorifying God, enjoying a relationship with God. How do we do it? How do we really worship? Well, it says in the Bible, in in Romans 12, it's one of my favorite verses, actually, that true and proper worship, it says this, "I, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable, that is truly the way to worship. I think it's, it's quite easy when we come to church sort of to expect things to happen. It's quite, it's, quite, it's quite easy to sort of come and expect the band to play and sort of stand and, and wait for them to play and the music wash over you. And, and you, almost, you almost become a bit of a, a consumer in, in that. I'm not saying that that's what we do here in this church, because I don't believe that. But I I know that it can be easy, and and actually it's really important for us to constantly remind ourselves that 
I'm here to worship God. And, and the fact that there's 150 people around me, that's, that's amazing. Like that corporate worship, that's really important. But actually, if I came and if the sound system broke, or even if there was no one here, could I still worship? Could I still spend hours, an hour and a half maybe, could I spend that in his presence and could I worship him? Because I think it's beautiful that we can come and I love being part of this family. I love coming on a Sunday and and already speaking to people this morning have been so encouraged by people's, people's words, people's prayers for me. It's so good that we have this, this body. But actually, individually, I, I don't want to rely on just coming to church on a Sunday. I don't want to have to rely on um, Naomi's beautiful violin playing. Actually, I want to just, I want to fully rely on God. I think that was a little bracelet that you used to get, frog, fully rely on God. That, that's the kind of worship I want to practice and actually, I do think it's something that we, we do need to practice. I think practicing being in God's presence, it's not actually something that maybe comes natural to us because there are a lot of distractions in life. Often when you, when you go, okay, God, I'm going to start just in silence thinking about who you are. And then my phone buzzes. I'm going to think, God, about who you are. And then that thought pops into my head that, oh, I haven't, I haven't remembered to send that email. Um, but God, I want to I start by just thinking about who you are. Who are you, God? You are God. And then something else pops into your mind. And actually practicing that silence is something that I think we need to, as, as individuals, like really spend time doing. There was... Um, there was a monk, and I'm, right, before I tell this story, I'm not saying that only monks can do this, because I don't believe it, but there was a monk called Brother Lawrence, and he um, basically spent a lot of his day washing the pots in the kitchen. That's, that's, that's what he did at the monastery. But at the same time as that, he was practicing the presence of God. He was saying, everything I do... God, I want to hear your voice as I'm doing it. God, with every deed that I do, God, I want to, I want to hear what you're, what you're saying. God, with, every, with every, um, every time I go outside, with every person I meet, I want to remember, God, that you created them and that they are beautiful. And I'm going to thank you for that. He was practicing the presence of God in everyday things, just keeping that conversation going, praying continually. That's what Paul was talking about when he said, pray continually. And then real silence means that we can put everything that's coming into our thin space, all those distractions, we can put them aside and we can say, Jesus, I just want to focus on you for now. God, I just want to focus on who you are. God, I don't want to come to you with my list of things that I want you to do for me. I just want to sit for a while and think about who you are. Because actually, I think if we want real rest, that's where we find it. If we want all of those stresses and worries to go, which is often what we're praying. We often come to God and we go, oh, God, I've got all of these stresses and worries and I want you to take them away from me. That's what he wants too. And he wants us to do it. Maybe by not even thinking about those things, but just sitting with him. Sitting in our thin space, putting them, putting them aside, 
saying, God, you've got them. I'm not going to think about them anymore. I'm just going to enjoy your presence. It says in, um, it says in a psalm that in God's presence is fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. If we want real deep joy that isn't just passing, but that lasts, that is being silent, waiting on God, adoring him, being still, like Ellie said earlier, being still and knowing that he is God. And then I think as we practice that, as we practice just being in God's presence, as we practice maybe just silencing, just stilling our hearts, God will start to reveal things to us. He'll start to, he'll start to show us parts of us that are broken. He'll start to show us parts of us that he loves us so much that he doesn't want them to stay the same as they are right now. And he'll also start to renew our minds. He'll start to change the way we think. We won't actually think the same way as everyone else who's really busy thinks. We'll think of, we'll think. Do, do you remember that song, Teach Me to Dance to the Beat of Your Heart? We'll start to think with God's heart. We'll start to live our life. We'll start to live that dance. I'm not a very good dancer, but we'll start to dance to the beat of God's heart. We'll see the injustices. We'll see the injustices, and our hearts will be broken. Our hearts will be broken for them. King David, gosh, what a worshiper. If you read about King David, you realize that actually he, he was a man who, who um, danced to the beat of God's heart. It actually says that David was a man after God's heart. And David, he wrote so many psalms. And one of the psalms that I read a few days ago was David saying, God, I want to quiet my heart. I want to still my heart and I want to be in your presence. And what did that bring? When David let God down, when David sinned, he recognized his brokenness. And, and for a while, he was like, God, I don't think I can even come into your presence anymore. God, I don't think I can, I can even pray. I, ca I can't worship you because, because of, all of all this stuff. Like, actually, that's the place where we should come to God. When our hearts are broken, when we feel like the last thing I want to do right now is go to church. The last thing I want to do right now is spend time with God. That is when God wants it most. In fact, it says a lot of times in the Bible that a broken heart is the only way to really enter true worship. A broken and contrite heart you will not despise. That's what David says. And he knows his sin. He knows it. He's living it. But he comes to God. He comes to God in true repentance. That's, again, that's saying, God, I recognize my sin, and I just, I want you. I'm going to sit in your presence again. I'm just going to, I'm just going to work things out with you. I actually think the meaning of life coming to God, worshiping him. That process makes us holy. That process makes us more like God. It's called, it's called sanctification. 
sort of just staying in that place, bringing our brokenness to God, that process means that we can deal with his issues and we can become more like him. If there's anyone in this room right now who, who is just like, there are things in my life, God, that I just don't want to bring to you. There are things in my life that I'm ashamed of and that I can think about them, but I, can, I just can't bring them to you. That is so where God wants you to be. That is so where he wants to meet with you. I promise, a broken and contrite heart. If you've got a broken heart, that's where he wants you. And then, so we've got a quiet heart, that, that place of silence where we just sit with him. And then we've got a broken heart where we come and our minds start to change about the way we're living and, and the way we see the world. And then we can have a thankful heart. Because actually, we've got a God who doesn't want the world to stay broken. He doesn't want us to stay broken. And in fact, ever since the first sin entered the world, God has been on a rescue mission to connect us back with God. I think it said in that, that song about freedom that we should come back to the start. What does that mean? What does it mean, coming back to the start? Well, if you think about it, the first humans, they were in perfect relationship with God. They walked with him in the cool of the day. They were just with him in perfect relationship. What did sin do? It brought separation. It meant that they felt ashamed. They felt naked. They felt like they couldn't be themselves. But God had a rescue plan. God had a mission. Ever since that point, he's been trying to reconnect with humans. He's been trying to say, come to me in your brokenness. Come to me in your nakedness. When all is stripped away, come to me. And he sent Jesus. He sent a part of him. And he sent him to die on a cross. So all of that shame, that was put on him. He was the judge who looked at the guilty person standing in the stalls and said, I'm going to pay your fine. I'm going to do your sentence. You can go free. And that's where thankfulness comes from. How thankful are we that when we come to God with our brokenness, which we still have, we still carry it, but we can give it to him, we can put it on him, and we can say, God, make us holy. God, sanctify us. God, make us more like you. And I know you will because you sent Jesus. I just want to ask anyone in the congregation, like, like what, what does God mean to you? Like, what, who is he? Who is he to you? Who, who is God to you? He's my life. He's my life. He's my life. Anyone else? Who's God to you? He's your friend. Who is God to you? He's a loving daddy, yeah. He is kind. What's God to you? Yeah. 
We can be thankful because God is God. That's what worship is. It's knowing who God is. It's quieting ourselves. It's sitting in his presence. It's standing in his presence. It's, it's singing to him in his presence. It's meeting with him in his presence. It's getting to know his character, his essence, what makes him who he is. And then it's saying, I want to be more like you. That's what the whole Imitate series has been. There was, um, there's a song that we're going to sing. Um, actually, can we sing it now, Hannah? Um, basically, have you heard of Matt Redman? He's sort of famous in the Christian circles. Um, he, was, he was part of a church, and, and they, they, they sort of found that um, people in the congregation, or, or himself, actually, as a, as a worship leader, were finding there were a lot of patterns, there were a lot of sort of structures that they felt they were relying on. And actually, it was distracting them from actually meeting with God. They felt like um, they were coming to church and they were expecting things to just happen, but they had really forgotten how to worship. So what, what the... Um, what the pastor did was say, right, Lee, take that guitar off. We're not going to have music anymore. We're not, we're not going to have a band. We're not going to have a PA system. What we're going to do is we're going to gather as a family, and, uh, and we're just going to worship. We're going to pray. We're going to sing songs. Um, but we're not, we're not going to rely on, on anyone to do it for us. We're just going just gonna to meet with God. So that's what they did, and for weeks, they just they didn't have a band. They didn't have any kind of team to lead them, but they, they started to learn what it meant to worship. They didn't rely on anything. They just, they wanted to come to God, and they wanted his Holy Spirit to come and move amongst them, because we're all full of it. We're all full of the Spirit when we believe in Jesus. We wanted that Spirit to, to whip us up not rely on anything else, and truly worship. And then slowly they introduced the band back in because there's nothing evil about using music. It's a beautiful gift from God. But it isn't what we should rely on. And the words Matt Redman wrote in the song was actually, when all is stripped away, when the music fades, all is stripped away, I just come into your presence Longing just to bring something that's of worth, that will bless your heart. More than a song. I'll bring you more than a song. Because a song in itself, anyone can sing. That's not what he said. But I was at a pub yesterday, and I played a Snow Patrol song. Everyone's hands were up in worship. It's more than a song, because anyone can sing a song. A song in itself is not what you require. You require my life. You require my heart. You require, God, my every second. And Father God, I, I pray that as we sing this, it is true and proper worship. It is laying down our lives to you. Saying, God, in every, 
every second of every day. I want to be in a constant relationship with you. I want to know what your voice is like so that actually it's louder to me than all the other noises in this world. I want to know God's voice louder than life. Does anyone else? Shall we worship God in spirit and in truth? Thanks for listening to this week's talk. Join us next week for another inspirational message.